good to have you guys back. We'll be walking through uh, the second London Baptist Confession of Faith called the 1689. Uh, and we are now in chapter 8. What is the title of chapter 8? Christ, what? Thank you. Christ the mediator. And last week we learned about what? Who can recall the things we learned last week? If you are not, a, if you are confident, can you just attempt to give, by way of summary, the things we learned last week? I bet you're going to talk. Oh, yeah, no. Why are you holding your mouth? We learned about God's obedience. About who? God's obedience. Okay. The obedience of Christ. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, is that all you learned? So you learned that Christ obeyed his father, isn't it? Thank you. So paragraph 5 of chapter 8 talks about the active and passive obedience of Christ. And I don't want to belabor uh, the subject of active and passive obedience of Christ. Okay, you've learned that sufficiently. In fact, that was the point that Brother Ima was almost roasted last week, you know? Active and passive obedience of Christ. The confession said in paragraph 5 that the Lord Jesus, by his perfect obedience, and sacrifice of himself. And the first thing we learned last week was that the entire work of Christ was carried on the wings of obedience. There was no compulsion. There was no trinitarian compulsion. Excuse my coinage that put gun on his head and said, if you don't go, I disown you. He willingly, because he loved his father, came here. And, and I think I was quoting one Gudem. Of course, it was Digita taught last week, but I was quoting one Gudem that if Christ just came here reluctantly, maybe at the age of five or ten, organized his friend to kill him, knowing that he came here to die. And there was no waiting on the Lord for 
day-to-day instructions in the place of prayer. And he just did it out of disobedience. When Gudem said, thou full of secure for us forgiveness, but not imputation of righteousness. I also sprawl, said, what if Jesus just, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of us. I said, what if Jesus just take a knife and just shed some blood like that? Jesus obeyed his father, and the death of the cross was intended in his assignment. He obeyed his father to the cross. Secondly, we learned the, the cross offered himself, the sacrifice of himself. Christ was the high priest superintending over the sacrifice on the cross. And he himself was the sacrifice. He is both the offering and the offerer. Number three, we learned that the sacrifice of Christ, you see the way I'm calming down, it will be a fight if at the end of this calming down you still don't understand. I will begin to think of exorcism. I think I've not lost that yet. It said, Fully, the death of Christ, the, the substitutionary atonement, the death of Christ, that atonement fully satisfied the justice of God. There's nothing left of God's demands and requirement that Christ did not satisfy in his death. Number four, his death procured reconciliation and purchased an everlasting inheritance in the kingdom of heaven for those whom the Father hath given to him. And you know, Deji kind of scratched around and say this last line is like limited atonement to the back door. It wasn't to the back door. It's here. It's obvious that Christ satisfied the requirement of God, procured reconciliation and everlasting inheritance, not for everybody, but for those whom the Father had given him. John chapter 6 mentioned that, isn't it? I laid down my life for my sheep, the sheep the flock that my father gave me, and so forth, and so on. That's what we learned last week. And by way of application and reiteration, I did mention again and again, for us as Christians, how do we exemplify Christ? If not that, by the help and work of the Holy Spirit, obedience has now been worked into our life. And Romans 5 is the key 
text. By one man's disobedience, sin and death had come to all. And by one man's obedience, obedience. And I, I can't remember how many times I've, I've referred, made reference to uh, uh, John Murray. And he said, the entire work in his book, Redemption, accomplished uh, and uh, applied. He said, the entire work of Christ can be summed up in one word. And what word is what? Obedience. We cannot be in mystical union with an obedient Christ and be disobedient. The only explanation for our constant and consistent frequent disobedience is that we are not in Christ yet. The mark the mark, the irreducible mark that we are standing in faith is our love for the laws of God. Oh, how I love your law. If up to this moment we have been goaded into obeying Christ, as if, if you don't come to church, if you don't do evangelism, your part in the tree of life will be reduced. <clears throat> you love the Lord. And I've, I've mentioned to you several how I used to, people talk about obedience as if church is depriving them of enjoyment. Like if you, if, if, if you, if, if, if you, if you ask a, 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 a maturing Christian, to, to stay on the line. Their response sometimes look like Abba, Oga Abba. You not say, make we no do women. You not say, make we no smoke. This small thing again, say, make we no do. So who say, make you no smoke? Who say, make you no carry women? Many people think it is church that says they should not carry women. Say, Abba now. In this church, we don't carry woman. In this church, no smoke. In this church, no party. In this church, no this. But wait, wait, we die. That you think it is a church. Of course, there's a way a church behaves sometimes that make it look like that. Particularly, the leadership of the church are behaving like CEOs. And they are building the church in their own image. And as they are building the church in their own image, they lack the capacity to mirror Christ or to even to mirror themselves. Because as people are looking at them, people are seeing their deficiencies and it becomes so difficult. It's like Ogaba. And that's Phariseeism when we are telling people to do stuff. So church becomes like a list of what people should do. Instead of a joyful community of believers who are desirous to be more like Christ, it becomes the church of pastor. You know, say a pastor no degree. If I no good church now, pastor for sure will call me and ask me why are you in church. And then you just want to come to church. The pastor will see your face. 
and then you go home. You've not met Christ. Oh, there's going to be evangelism next week. And then you are saying, ah, this church, oh, we do it in January. You know, obedience. Obedience. And then there's this cliche, uh, as one of my friends, I asked one of my friends recently, who was, I'm saying, one of my, it's not a friend, just a neighbor. I used to have issue with him around 2014, 2013, 2014. He was militant. He was one of the, the wing, the young, the youth wing of APC at that time. And I was trying to, to show him the defect in the line of their campaigning and in the candidate he was supporting. And praise God, I was proving right. And he had a, a, a humility to come to me and say, ah, how did you know that this man will fail? I said, ah, I'm not going to say this man will fail. There's no way I will not know that this man will fail. You see, it's so clear that he will fail from the beginning. I, I, I used, I'm looking at his body language, his manifesto. And I'm also looking at when he was the head of state in 1983-1984. And I'm also looking at what he did when he was a PTF chairman. I'm looking at everything. And what he had done in his private life. And I'm saying this cannot be present. So I didn't cast my vote for him. In fact, I was not even in the country at that time. So recently I met him. I said, okay, this time around, who are you voting for? I said, ah, Pastor, this time around, I want to be obedient and useful. How many of you have heard that phrase, obedient and useful before? At least the cliche on us, obedient and useful. Of course, some of you know what you what he's talking about. You can pretend as if you don't know what he's talking about. You are in church, so you don't offend people. If you're not obedient, you're not useful. And as a preacher, whatever you hear in the streets, become a sermon. <laughs> I want to be obedient and useful. It's sermon that entered my head. Yeah. And I was just saying, it's good. If I'm not obedient, I'm not useful. My usefulness in the hand of God is the degree of my compliance to the demand of God. And the more I obey God, the more I become like him, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and to be made conformable in his death. I die daily. So that's what we learned last week. Is there any soul under my voice that still want to clear anything? Any question? Is there any question that you want to clear with me from last week? One, Christ is active obedience, meaning Active obedience of Christ. Some of you think it's a big word. It's not a big word. The active obedience of Christ is that, as according to Oche, and me, and hopefully Felix's wife, <laughs> we believe, and according to the scripture, that the active obedience of Christ is that God, Christ obey all the laws of God. Act. 
actively. He never lost after any woman. Never. Forget about the ambition code that uh, Jesus and Mary Magda. He never did nothing, nothing. He, there was no sin in him. He obeyed his father. The Bible says he was tempted in every way. In his temptation with the devil, he refused to bow down to Satan because the law of God forbade him to do so. That's why in each of those temptations, he will refer Satan to the Bible. It is written. And it is not good for a man to act against that which is written, against that which the light of the scripture had made open. I'm hungry, but I won't turn this stone to bread because man shall not live by bread alone. He obeyed his father. Passive obedience was what? Passive obedience. Yes, we were here last week. But you know what is, you should know what it is. Yes, suffering on the cross. When he offered up himself and then was crushed for our iniquity and he did not resist, put up, he did not put up resistance. I said, ah, let me down. Ah, I don't know who is this man. He just, he stayed there. He, did, he stayed there and then he took in the wrath of God and drank the cup. He drank the cup of the wrath of God. Amen. Any other thing? Okay, let's get to our lessons tonight. Uh, paragraph six. If you don't have 1689, you have a smartphone, you can, you can just get Google. Or just get to sneak now. Paragraph 6 of chapter 8 on Christ the Mediator. Christ the Mediator. Paragraph 6 of chapter 8. Are we all there? If you are not, if you don't have, you can share with those who are not too far from you. Let me read the confession. Although the price of redemption was not actually paid by Christ till after his incarnation, yet the virtue, efficacy, and benefit thereof were communicated to the elect in all ages, successively from the beginning of the world, in and by those promises, types, and sacrifices, wherein he was revealed and signified to be the seed which bruised the serpent's head and the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, being the same yesterday and today and forever. Turn to Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 to 5. Anyone can read. Please pass the microphone around. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 to 5. Romans chapter 4, verse 1 to 9. Please. Fast readers. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 to 5. Romans chapter 4, verse 1 to 9. Son born of woman, 
born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that so that we might receive adoption as sons. Mm-hmm. Romans chapter 4 verse 1 to 9. What then shall we say? What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. Mm-hmm. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to one who walks, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not walk, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven, and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Is this blessing then only for the circumcised, or also for the uncircumcised? Amen. Now, the first lesson that you are going to learn, or that the confession wants us to learn, is this. But by way of introduction, the confession, the Baptist fathers said this, that the price of redemption that's the work of Christ, does contain three, three things. There is a virtue in the redemptive work of Christ. It's not empty. There is an issue flowing out of Jesus. There's a hymn that says there is a fountain filled with blood, drawn from Emmanuel's vein or side. It's a virtue. Secondly, talk about efficacy. It's not just a virtue. It's not just a pool of blood. It is efficacious. It is not, it's not just, it's not a potential energy. It is an actual energy. There is power in the blood of Jesus. It is an actual redemption. It is not a redemption that carries some potential waiting to be actualized by the activation of works of men. Our works does not activate or contribute to the efficacy of the work of Christ. It is, it is efficacious, effective, and final, and does have immense benefit. That is the introduction, okay? I'm quoting the confession. So the first thing they want us to learn is that the benefit, the virtue, the power, the efficacy, and the benefit that comes from the work of Christ called the redemptive work were communicated to the elect, that is to the saints in all ages. Let me repeat, let me be calming down. That's the, the work of Christ, the redemptive work of Christ, 
were given, were administered, were that the Old Testament saints from Adam to the last person before the cross does partook of the benefits of the work of Christ, albeit retroactively. Retroactivity or retroactivity means applying something to a period prior to enactment. So before that work was enacted in his incarnation, suffering, crucifixion, and resurrection, the efficacy of that work extends backward down to Genesis 3, verse 15. Is that one clear? And that's why Abraham is in focus in Romans chapter 4. There's no way Abraham, David, and so on will have had a part in the discussion, in the explanation of the gospel, if they were not part of that work way back. And the confession says successfully, successively, from the beginning of the world. Hello, is that clear after now? It is clear. But I understood, it's not, it's not clearly understood. I understand. Okay, because the way you are looking at me, I can discern misunderstandings. And the reason is this there are not two ways to God. After Adam fell in the Garden of Eden, we died spiritually. And there's no way to God. There's only one way to God is by faith. Faith in whom? Faith in God through words through Christ. Christ has always been the mediator between God and man. That's the first thing. Now the second thing they want us to learn is how were those pro- how were they saved retroactively? Look at the confession and said is successively from the beginning of the world in, in, and by. I don't have time to walk the Greek. In and by those promises and types and sacrifices, this, the, the, the promises. What promises are they referring to? Some of the, the proof texts in the confessions, you see Genesis 3, verse 15. True or false? True or false? And what, who can give me the quotations of Genesis 15? The Proto-Evangelion. What is that? Without looking at the Bible. Yes? I will put enmity between your seed and the seed of... And the seed of the woman shall do what? And then... So, it was in the promises. The seed of the woman was Jesus. The time we have is not, if you don't know that, I bet ask Felix to, to teach you that. The seed of the woman is Jesus. So from Eve, if I can even take a step backward, 
when Adam sinned and God, God could have, God that brought life like this, in my old opinion, could have looked at Adam and if I say, clothes, cover them. And then clothes will have covered them, isn't it? What did God do? God slaughtered an animal and then covered their nakedness. This also points to the sacrifice of Christ. So the, the work of Christ in the Old Testament where it appeared in promises, appeared in types, appeared in sacrifices. The appearance of Christ in the promises was in Genesis, isn't it? The appearance of Christ in types were in what? Turn to First Peter chapter 1, verse 10 to 11. Concerning the salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. Mm -hmm. So, the Ark of the Covenant is a type of who? The, the, the Noah, Noah's Ark is a type of who? Answer me. Christ. Moses was type of who? A deliverer from Egypt to? Even Joseph. Even the Red Sea. Types. Types and shadows. What of sacrifices? The, the priesthood, the lamb, the, 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 the scapegoats, the tabernacle, the holies of holies, points to Christ. So that us, because it's not everybody in the Old Testament that put their trust in these things. Here you understand that. Noah made an ark for everybody. How many people will enter? How many entered the ark of Noah? Somebody says seven. How many entered the ark of Noah? They say, you are smiling. This matter, some people know it's Holy Communion this Sunday. Josh, with two cross on your, on your clothes. How many persons entered the ark of Noah? <laughs> Allow him to count. Primary school, yes. Huh? Wait, Brown, are you the teacher? Let me not Okay, let me not count. Eliezer, mark him out. No food. No food for him. No food for him. How many persons were in the ark of Noah, Brother Ese? Eight. You sure? Count. 
two, five, eight. What's the, what are the names of the, of the three sons? And Japheth. <laughs> hey, that one you know. <laughs> yeah. And they were married. Noah's wife, three sons, three daughter-in-laws, eight. The reason why those eight enter, the Bible tells us, that those reasons you are redemptive. The same reason why you are in faith and your neighbor go to the mosque down the road. And not all those who came out of Egypt really believed in Moses. In fact, there was a time they did something and snakes were biting people. All they need to do is just to look. If you look at the snake, the, the bronze, the prototype, you leave. Just look and leave. Do you know, Joshua people don't look. They say, instead of me to look at this useless thing, let I die. And those who look, live. And those who refuse to look, die. And the Bible tells us that as Moses lifted up the serpent, so shall the Son of Man be lifted up. That who, whoever look upon him shall live. Types. In fact, in the Old Testament, as they were moving from Egypt to Canaan, anytime they are thirsty, somehow, somehow there is a rock. <laughs> there is a small stone somewhere that the Moses will hit or speak to. Or there will be a, a small pool. And water will just gush out and they will drink. And about this that they drank from this rock that followed them. And that rock was crushed. And Romans, that's the argument of Romans. You see, not all the descendants, those who came out of Abraham biologically, were Abraham's seeds. So some were Abraham's seed by faith. And some, even though they came out of his loins, were not his children, i.e. Ishmael. And co. So those who were David, Type, David, Moses, all those who were faithful, who were saints in the Old Covenant, were saints because the work of Christ was being applied to them retroactively. Even though the enactment is yet to happen. And they are clear example. Actually, in Nigeria, you can actually do some appropriation, you can actually make some payments in anticipation of approval. And that will not be a bad thing. For instance, um, maybe I'm the signatory. I'm not, I'm not the signatory. Yes, maybe I'm the signatory to your money, yeah? To the money of the church. And I'm not available. And then Eliezer and Cody need to make some quick purchases. They can actually use the money waiting, waiting for uh, approval. I'm just using a weak example, isn't it? Now, so the money is used today to buy some utility. And by next week, the actual receipt and the voucher being raised and signed. That does not mean that money that was used last week is useless. This has been done. 
but it's not rectifier. And the reason why it is possible is that the confession is quoting Hebrews, that saying Jesus Christ is the same today and forever. And the, the confession also quotes uh, Revelation chapter 13, verse 8, that say what? That says what? Hmm? You don't know what that place says. No, Revelation. Okay? So what, what do you think was the purpose of the Father Christ was crucified before the Father of the world? That he would become the savior of... And this example is not even strange. You know, the Lord made Abraham and said, you're going to be a blessing and through you all the nations of the world shall be blessed. And the Bible said, Abraham was blessed and got the covenant before he was circumcised so that what? Why was Abraham blessed before, he was, before circumcision? According to the Bible, Esse is raising his hand voluntarily. Yes. And then he was circumcised at the ratification of the covenant so that he the father of those who have Jewish identity. So... This, this thing is quite uh, uh, clear. Any question? Before I, I bring uh, my final comments. You are not asking a question now until I begin to ask a question. Are there troublemaking questions? Is your question a troublemaking question? Okay, please. I think we are back to this um, table of distinguishing. I mean, as, as we are teaching, it sounds as though we, um, we are taking the, um, the Westminster position on this. Um, ah. issue. It's, it's, um, it looks so relative, the fact that these people received... Um, what was the Westminster position? That the different, the different dispensation. That is okay. that, yeah. uh, what's, your, what's your question again? Okay. Yeah, so my question is, how do we distinguish this teaching from that... Um, this, because my ears are sounding like, you know. Okay, like yeah, I, I, I get you. And I, and I thank you because this question shows that you are listening. And that was the point of chapter 7, isn't it? The Westminster, now bring your Christian ears. If I thought you know what the Westminster is all about, I don't have time to tell you that. Meet Felix. The Westminster standard, as is the Westminster Confession, the Westminster is of the Presbyterian, 
standard says that the, the covenant of grace the way it was administered, that it was administered in different stages. So the covenant of grace is not actually the new covenant. The covenant of grace is the no, is it no high or no high covenant? First, where the one that taught that one? That the, the Noahic covenant was an administration of the covenant of grace. So they kind of split everything into epochs or dispensations. So it's like that was on its own. The Mosaic covenant is an administration of the covenant of grace. The Abrahamic covenant is an administration of the covenant of grace. And that God was working like you are working in a silo until Christ came and then enacted the new covenant. Christ now is the head of the new covenant. The reason why the Presbyterian think that circumcision and baptism does have relationship that under the old covenant, each covenant does have a sign. The rainbow is a sign of circumstance, the sign of, and then continuing. So Christ's baptism, baptism is the sign of the new covenant. That is the Presbyterian understanding of the covenant of grace. I've dealt with the Issue of covenant of grace and covenant of redemption. Right? Are you following me? You will thank me later. Eh? Are you following me to this point? Now, the Baptist standard, the Reformed Baptist standard, it says that the covenant of grace is the new covenant. And Christ is the head of the new covenant. There are no two, three, four, five, six, seven different covenants. Under the heading of the covenant of grace, there is one covenant, and that covenant is between God and his son. Just as the first covenant of works were destroyed in our federal head, Adam, Christ is the head of the new covenant, and those who are his are in him. That the, what happened between Genesis 3 and the incarnation is an expression of the new covenant in, in different forms, like uh, the confession said, until you become full. Like, it's like a combination. The cross was like the, the, the fulfillment, the combination, the enactment of the, of the new covenant. Let me see if I can read that portion for you. Uh, 
another sophrason would have made any point that is clearer to you. So the covenant, the, the Noahic uh, covenant, is not an administration of the covenant of grace. It's the covenant of grace in types, in promises, and in sacrifices. These times were by themselves a, a means to assess this um, new covenant. You are putting words in my mouth. I mean, because if they did not partake of these types, then they will not. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So it means that it is through these types that they now have access. Yes. So the types and shadow were not efficacious in and of themselves. The, the Old Testament sacrifice could not save anybody. And I never saved anybody. Nobody was saved in those types apart from Christ. If you are going to put them in silos, what you are saying is that the Noahic covenant, all those things really saved, really have efficacy in and of themselves. People were not saved by those sacrificial systems. So what saved them? Christ. Through what? Thank you. If they received, you know, the, the confession itself is saying that mm -hmm. um, although the price of redemption was actually paid by Christ till after his, but successfully from the beginning of the world, in and by those promises, mm -hmm. types, mm -hmm. and sacrifices, wherein he revealed, where, wherein he was revealed. Mm -hmm. So it means that these promises, these um, promises, types, and sacrifice, sacrifices were means, channels through which. This if you use the word channel, okay, people want to respond. If you use the word channel, you're going to run into error. As, they look, as you look at the ark of, of Noah, what do you see? Hmm? What does the ark of Noah communicate to you? It communi communicates Christ. It communicates salvation. salvation the ark yes. in and of itself. Yes, let me, let those... Let Ace respond to you. Ace, are, are you asking questions? No. Like, yeah, yeah, please I help him. help a bit. So, like, you, you skipped the last sentence you read. You said, wherein he was revealed. In those, type, in those promises. What was the promise? The promise was of Christ to come. So they were looking forward. They were not seeing clearly. But they had faith that God had a plan to save them. Yeah. So those things were means, like, which they were obeying to showcase their obedience to God in belief that God was going to save them. How he was going to save them, they had an idea. They had, you know, like Christ was being revealed little by little. Getting to the end of the Old Testament, it was now clear that yeah. there is a Messiah coming. Do you understand? Yes, but no, why were you entering the ark? You were having faith in God. So, Do so you... The ark in itself. Yes. It is significant that I enter the ark. Yes, but it's a symbolic so that's, that's representation. The so the expression of faith in Christ, in that dispensation is that I entered the what? The ark. The ark. Mm -hmm. So I did not enter the ark. I had no faith. But the, the, the ark no is not saving you. It's no, obedience. I did not say the ark is saving. Mm -hmm. But the expression yes. that I have faith that Christ is going to save is that I was in the what? The ark. The, the expression that I have faith that I will not get beaten by the snake is that I'm looking at what? The serpent. So if I don't look at it, I will die. Yes. So in, in, in those moments, right, mm. The, how I express that, the expression of that faith is in, the, is in this type that was available at that word. 
it doesn't mean that that's why he's saving them. That get, get them. I'm not saying that's why he's saving them, but mm -hmm. is that those types, right? Where um, I don't want to use the word channel again. But <laughs> those, those types is like okay, we have Christ now. The way we express faith, it's not just faith that saves. Like it's not just just any faith. It's faith in God through Christ that saves. So you don't just say I'm saved by faith. Like faith is is generic. You qualify the faith, but they're having faith in God through Christ now. For anybody that was in Noah's time, come, come, wait. Let me, let me, let, let's not waste my time. Were you not the one that read Romans four? Why do you think the writer of Romans used Romans four and used two persons to define this reality? Uh -uh. <laughs> okay, you might want to respond. A question? No, 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 no. We are still. We have not finished one pregnancy, so don't add another one. I think um, the the old issue of administration for Westminster and we saying it was all leading up to the new covenant. The difference is more about the implication of that today. You understand? If we have to explain about what happened, we would be saying the same thing. It's just how we are calling it that is different because it is in how we are calling it that influences us today. For example, when you read Hebrews 1, 1, for example, say that in times past, right, different ways through and about now, the idea is that so the focus is Christ. Those things are done without because we now have the real thing and so we should focus on that. But when we go back, it's almost like saying, I mean, the blood of sacrifice of, um, of goats and all this were efficacious in relation to what was to come. But now that that has come, Christ has come, the new covenant, the perfect covenant or the perfect expression of the covenant has come, we don't deal with those types anymore. Uh -huh. So we are saying now that the, the idea of um, circumcision and um, baptism now Holding that idea of various dis, um, administrations and all that has an implication in our practice or in our life today. That's why we are. That's why that um, distinction is important. Yeah, and I just want to say this: is if Noah is a head, is a head of Noahic covenant. And the sign, the visible sign of that covenant is rainbow or the ark. If Abraham is a head of Abrahamic covenant, and the visible sign of that covenant is circumcision. If Moses was the head of Mosaic covenant, and the visible sign of that covenant was the giving of the commandment. If David was the head of the Vedic covenant and the visible sign of the covenant was his kingship, then Jesus is the head of the new covenant. Since each covenant have a sign, what then is the sign of the new covenant? The conclusion is that Baptism of the Presbyterian. 
But what we are saying fundamentally is this. The, the new covenant, the covenant of grace, is between who and who? It's between God, the Father, and His Son, the seed of the woman. God is not making this covenant like, like in pieces. It's one covenant. And then it's one covenant. Bring your ears down. It is one covenant. If it is not one covenant, we are going to run into issue, the issue of federal headship. There are two federal headships. You are either in Adam or you are either in Christ. Do you understand to this point now? So Christ is the head of the new covenant. It's not that there's a covenant as expressed in the Noah and that is now being discarded. And then this has been discarded. They say this covenant, the new covenant, were revealed in types, in, 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 in promises, until, the, uh, until it's fully revealed in Christ, in his incarnation. So Christ remained the only head of the covenant of grace where which we have been saved. The people argue that the Old Testament faith, faithful put their faith in those things particularly. And the argument of Paul was that when David sinned, if his faith were in the sacrament, in the priesthood, all David needed to do is to submit himself to be stoned to death. He wouldn't have asked for, for mercy. Brown, give me your, forget about the song. David wouldn't have asked for mercy. No. It's my fault. And it's off. It's on flight mode. So, that, that is it. So, Christ is the head of the new covenant, and it, it has always been through all ages. It is now we have. That's why we read Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, in the fullness of time. We now have what we have now. So your question is that those things were mediums where Christ was communicated. Isn't what I'm saying? It's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that those things are not the object. They're not, not the object of the They are not seen by the ark. <laughs> right. Yeah. But for me to have survived the flood, I need to be in the ark. Therefore, the ark saved you. No, the ark did not save you. What's your conclusion? The, the conclusion is, it's, it's like, let's use the cross, for example. We say we should run to the cross. Mm -hmm. Now, is it the cross that saves, like the cross, the wooden cross? No. Is that, it's not the cross that saves. But, I don't know if you understand the argument of this gentleman. It's like you are saying the same thing, isn't it? Yeah, so what is your confusion? Or you are just contributing? <laughs> Maybe you should contribute. Maybe you are contributing. Yeah. I think one, one way to answer this question is to ask the question, why do Presbyterians baptize babies? Have you thought about I'm not, I'm not. Yeah. Now you're asking, that's Westminster now. That's what you're asking. You're, no, saying, no. you're saying we sound like Westminster, but we no, don't I was, baptize I was babies. I'm coming now. Okay. It's still the covenant thing. They baptize babies because of their understanding of the covenant. So it's still the issue you are having. So this is what the Westminster guy sees. That in the 
in the time of Noah, this is how you know those that are part of the covenant community. All right? Like what you are saying. In the time of Moses, this is how you know those who are part of the covenant community. Circumcision. In the time of this, this is how you know who are part of the covenant community. Then in the time of the New Testament now, this is how you know those who are part of the covenant community. Baptism. So they are drawing a line. There's a sort of continuity that the Westminster man sees in all of the covenants like that. And I say, okay, in this covenant, this is what God was using to, to, as a sign that you are part of this covenant. Hence, if your children are part of the covenant community, they should be baptized. Because in the Old Testament, if your children were part of the covenant community in the time of Moses, they were circumcised. So you see this continuity that is drawing across them. So because of their emphasis on the external parts of those individual covenants, they fail to see what the Baptists are saying. What the Baptists are saying is, see, there's one covenant of grace, but it is progressively revealed from Adam to Christ. So it's still one covenant of grace, but you are seeing small of it, small of it, small of it. The main covenant, the fullness is seen in the new covenant which Christ ratified by his blood. So there's no need to be fixated now upon those external and be looking for a sign in each of those covenants. Now Christ has come. The fullness, the main person is there. Don't look at those old guys now as administrations. Look at them as progressive revelations of Christ that is coming. So what they are seeing, although a bit, like as I said, not fully, is Christ. They are running into Christ to be saved. So it's not as if, forget the whole thing about the act, stop focusing on those things. They are running into Christ to be saved. As they are looking upon the serpent, they are basically looking upon Christ. Christ is not there. That's the purpose of Hebrews chapter 11. They believed in the promise and they were saved. So even though Christ is not there, the, the, the promise was a means to show Christ. It's a revelation of Christ. How be it dimly, still progressively, until Jesus Christ came down physically. As Jesus Christ don't come, matter don't end. No need to be... We don't... I, I mean, when I, when I mentioned Westminster, I specified the part. I didn't... I didn't hey, Brown, what? Is this, do you have a question? My, 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 my question is because this topic we've treated yeah. is saying that the, exp the expression of their faith mattered. Hmm? In simple terms, what it is saying is that the expression, I mean, for these people um, um, before Christ, mm -hmm. the, ex the, ex the expression of the, when I, when I, what I mean by the expression of their faith matters, I've said it over, over and over again that if I not enter the ark, the flood will carry me away. That's just that's yes. Now, so but let, me, let me let me help you. Let, you don't go out to that today. If you don't actively put your faith in Christ Jesus, you cannot be saved. It is you putting your faith in Christ Jesus, true or false. That faith is yours. But the Bible teaches that that faith also is a gift that God gave you because of the regenerative work of the Holy Spirit which were happening without you even knowing it. Therefore, it is those who God woke from their deadness and have received the gift of faith that reached to Christ for salvation. And that's the argument of Hebrews, even Hebrews 11. The Old Testament saints were looking forward. They were waiting for what had been promised from Genesis. They kept waiting for it. They were not blank people. 
They were not just idolizing those things as we see in the Old Testament. They were having active faith in the promises of God. The visible things, they were not resting in them. And those who were resting in them perished. So those who have the faith of Abraham, the faith that Abraham had in God, before anything ever happened, before circumcision, before Isaac was sacrificed, these are those who are, those, these are, those who are Abraham's children. They put their faith in the promise of God. What we want to impress is that those things in and of themselves have, does have some merits. If I even concede that they have, they have merit at that time, it is useless now. Why? The fullness have come. Every, even, if, if, even if I want to concede with the Presbyterian that God was working in different, in different dispensations, saving people in the ark, saving this, now he is no longer saving people through any means, through any agency. There is one single agency now that God will save people and it's Christ. And the confusion is even saying that God has never saved anybody anywhere after the fall apart from Christ. Being applied to them retroactively. What is your question still? It's getting late. I'll adjourn my... We've made progress. I'll just adjourn the, the question. Yeah. We've made progress. Who had made progress? Me or you? No, <laughs> question. Emmanuel, you have question first. Yes, so I think what Ubongo, similarly, um, I think part six is trying to point to the fact that all um, promises, sacrifices, and extraordinary events all point to Christ. So um, so we as Christians, into, I'm asking a more practical question now because I've had conversations with people. Ask your question. Yes. So in Nigeria, we tend to look, Christians tend to look more on the extraordinary side of Christianity, the extraordinary event, the miracles, and the extraordinary things that happen in redemptive history. So when talking to Christians about these things, do we bring up the fact that these things were all trying to point and show to Christ as a conversation, as opposed to um, them happening as singular events on their own? And... Uh, do you have, sometimes you ask Christian, yeah? I'll be playing my heart for illumination. So... Okay. Are you done with your question? Yeah, that's just that was just the contribution, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> Thank you. Thank so, you. So, if if I'm trying to say that all promises, types, and sacrifices all point to Christ, that means that um, are we saying this? But all oh, this is the testament, testament this of the testimony Bible. of the scripture. Does that mean that see, all Emma, the, what must uh, what we are holding and on this mountain I will die? God was not saving people separately, like like because there are a lot of Christians who teaches in CRS Department of Various University who are atheists in Christian skin. 
Who even think that Amadi, that God was saving people through Amadi or her? That in the days when the gospel was not yet come, whatever thing people were using, putting their trust in at that time, if they were doing it faithfully, if they were doing it faithfully, yes. they were saved by it. That was my question. And the church is saying clearly, God had never saved anybody apart from Christ. And you can walk the link from Christ backward to Adam. That's why the genealogy was given to you in the book of Matthew and Luke, to show you connections. If it's outside those framework, there's no salvation. Because if one person was saved in the Old Testament, apart from Christ, Christ coming was, was an overdue. What we will have done is to improve on that system that was working, that worked for David. That thing that was working for David. That thing that was working for Moses. That thing that was working for, even today in Abuja, this gospel is being preached. When some pastors carry jars, or they carry some, some mantles, and you want to challenge them on that, they will say, even Moses used something that each person used, God, God walked through some means to deliver something. In fact, living faith will tell you that the anointing oil is God mystery packaged in a bottle. So, and we are saying, no, sir. Christ has been, from, from Genesis 3, when Adam fell, Christ becomes the savior from that onward. But were, it was happening like small, small, in, 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 in a progressive form until we now have the fullest thing. The way we have scripture in parchment, now we have the entire canon, full pleroma. So does that mean that the singular event of the promise of the seed of the woman is what governs the whole Old Testament on the promise of Christ and salvation? I don't understand that question. Sorry. The singular event when God gave a pro when God, when God said that the seed of the woman will bruise the head of the seed of the servant. Uh -huh. That singular event is the promise to which all the Old Testament saints put their faith in on that promise of that, sing, that single seed. That promise is being expanded as much more until it becomes full. So no nobody in the whole Old Testament. God was not making who different does not, different. It's not, it's not, God was not reviewing his promise and say, okay, uh, the promise is Noah. That acting was that act business was not too not too uh, powerful. Let's do something more or expand it. It is one thing being seen progressively, successfully, successively, progressively. So faith. So that singular, don't call it singular. Don't make it look like it's a small thing. Okay. When God came down to the fall in the garden and that singular, because there's only single, single fruit that bites. It's a singular bite. Not that they were just eating and eating and eating and God was angry. Ah, this fruit, we are saying you don't eat. And I just eat one, they eat ten. <laughs> and then he became angry. It was a single bite. So don't make it look like the single promise is, 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 is not too big. 
And we are talking about us now living in time and space. The God who is walking like this and Christ being crucified or slain before the foundation of the world live outside time and space. And Hebrews said he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So that God could even stand 10 billion years ago and today and 10 billion years ago are just like one single event and one single day. It is for, it's for you and I, and I think I'm, I'm putting the scripture that 10,000 years are like one day. So don't make it look like, ah, ah. So God says something in Genesis chapter 3. Is it that one they, they, that one they see the chop? One word from the mouth of God does, does have eternal consequences. It's unchanging. It's like this. God is not adjusting his programs. And most of the food we have been fed over the years is that God kept adjusting his program after the fall of uh, Adam, as if the fall took him by surprise. There's one covenant between him and his son. Abel, the last question before we pray. Yeah? Okay, who is that? Okay, Mr. Batoki, yes, please. Is it a question or contribution? It's a question. Okay, please. Yeah. Check, is she still online? Okay, what is this question? The question has been on my mind for a very long time. Ah, is it the Obatoki or your one? My own question. Okay. Yeah, and Let's take since it was Mr. hinted at. Okay. Yes, they were online. So they were not waiting for too long. So our question is tied to um, Hebrews. It says um, it had to wait for our... Let me, let me get the question directly. So Hebrews 11.40. What does the Bible mean that without us, that they should not be made perfect? That's the Old Testament yes. um, sent. That's uh, Hebrews uh, 11. 11. Yeah. That's the last verse. Yes. Is that all these people die without obtaining the promise? What's the question? Her question, her question is... They were not made perfect. That has not been... They've, they've not, that, the work has been applied to them. You see, all the saints that even die in this dispensation are still not yet being made perfect, isn't it? The, all the believers, Peter, Paul, that die in the New Testament, are still not yet being made perfect because the, the consummation of all things had not happened. The book of Revelation, those who are martyred for the sake of Christ, I even say, God, how long will you avenge? He say, wait. They give them clothes. They wait for them. It is when Christ comes back that everything will be unified and made perfect. So I hope I'm speaking my mind because I think what she's asking is the us. Who are these us we are waiting for to make uh, hmm? perfect? Like who this us hmm. waiting for us before they could be make, made uh, perfect? Who is the Believers in all, all ages. So that what, what is happening is that God is not, there's no, the heaven are not in faces. You know, we have sun, sun cities, phase one. You have, you have an estate. So you finish a uh, sunny day, phase one. Yeah, yeah, sorry, okay, anything? Okay. Okay, who are the us? Yeah, the, the us in that passage, like the Old Testament probably were waiting for us. Yes. This us, who are the us now? Us. 
Us, uh, uh, Mr. Matoke, us are believers in all ages. And at that time, they were us, those who are yet to be saved, who are not yet in the... Jesus said, was praying for the disciples and said, Father, there are other, other flock I have that are not in this food. Them I must bring. Okay? And he said, we pray for all of them. So the, the saints that were living at that time, the writer of Hebrew, were saying that the Old Testament saints are waiting for the redemption of us, of them to that point. And it still applies. It is that because of us, Christ has not packed, has not wrapped up everything yet. They, are, they have not yet been glorified. Look at the, the order of salvation. Foreknowledge, predestination, calling, calling, justification, and glorification. So all the Old Testament saints that are now being in glory are not yet glorified. Why? The, 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 resurrection, the, res, the resurrection of the dead are not taking place. At the consummation of all things, all those who died are going to be raised. It's in Daniel 4. Going to be raised into immortality. And you have what they call the, the, the resurrection body. Okay? So it, it is when the last, the last saints enter into the kingdom of God that the ark will be closed. So the us is present continuous yes. until. Yes. It's believers in all ages. Yes. My question is about the redemptive work of Christ that was um, applied retroactively to the saints of old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've heard it been preached that. Um, our forefathers in Africa never got to partake in that um, retroactive um, work of Christ. And it's troubling you. Yes, I want to, yeah, I need some more. know why. So was Africa ever in the history when all those things were happening? Okay. And you want to ask a God question? <laughs> okay, I can attempt. Your trouble is that God is not fair. Are you charging God with unfairness? I'm not charging God with unfairness, but but the logic somehow doesn't seem to. Now, because we've had it been said that um, even though our forefathers were, in quotes, to a large extent, good people, and uh, due to maybe Who some, I'm just saying because of their maybe acts and then. What are Roman theories? What does Roman theories says about about them? Oh, yeah, now, carry microphone. Let me record you. Romans 3 said, none is go- No one is good, not even one. So, our uh, forefathers were not good people. Sorry. None. The only reason why the Old Testament saints enjoy the benefit of Christ was that God chose to enter into a covenant with Abraham. And you know, enter that covenant with another person. And he said, Israel, it is only you I know. Among all the people of the earth, it is only you I know. And I established my covenant between, you, between myself and you. And through you, the Messiah will come. That was the benefit they had. Of course, the, the Israel misused that benefit a lot. They thought they were privileged. And every other nation, they called them Gentiles, were disadvantaged. Israel was to be a nation that would be like a, ch- a church through whom 
all other nations would come to God. But they thought that because of that, that they thought themselves as special. And every other person sub, is it subhuman or sub whatever. So our forefathers were not, were not good people. In fact, none. If anybody is saved, saved by grace, mercy. And that's the argument of Romans. If God chooses not to extend his mercy to our forefathers in Africa, it is within his rights. And Paul argued, uh, said, uh, God said, and said, who, who are you, old man, to ask God this question? He chose to do that. And he used, he used uh, Esau and uh, Jacob as an example. When they were in their womb and they have not done anything bad or good, he said, Jacob I loved, Esau I hated. What did Esau do? Nothing. It's, it's, it's an elective grace of God, and that's the ground we must tread very carefully, not to even think that God was unfair. After Adam fell, every person that came out of Adam deserved punishment and hell. Everybody. Even if you have not smoked anything, not smoked shisha, not smoked weed, not smoking anything, you've not touched anybody's wife, you've not touched any woman, you've not stolen anything, if you're not in Christ, you will perish. Going to heaven is not on the basis of goodness that people do. It's on the basis of the righteousness of Christ being given to people freely by grace. Ephesians 2, verse 8. Daniel. Yeah. Uh, There's no assurance even that if the gospel had gotten to our forefathers, they would have accepted it. So it's all the same. They didn't accept the gospel, whether they heard it or not, they are not saved. Actually, Romans 1 actually said, God gave them a lot of, uh, uh, it said that God, God actually made himself manifest to our forefathers in the in creation. See, see they, were, they, are, they are without excuse, isn't it? Why were they without excuse? God made himself abundantly known to them but they choose to worship idols. So now they'll go to the farm and carry stone and pour libation and say, you are my God. How can you look at yourself and call stone your God? And, say, and then you now bow yourself down to the stone and say, uh, my God, take this chicken. You put small blood on the chicken, on the dish, and then you, you go and eat the remaining one and all that stuff. So our forefathers were actually terrible people. All of us were terrible people until Christ saved us. I mean, April, I, I also have that story. Ah, the white man came like 200 years ago. So are you saying my forefathers that how God put them to? There are some pastors that actually believe that those who didn't hear the gospel will go to heaven. Yeah, but that is not a biblical uh, testament. Abel, are you? I don't know if you understand a little bit. No, uh, no. Two minutes to seven. Okay, let me give Erican. I don't want to enter. Erican, what is it? Why we pray? Give me microphone. When the apostles shared the gospel um, in the book of Acts, didn't they go to anywhere that was African at all? Because the East, we're talking about before Christ came. Okay. The, the question is before Christ came. 
And again, that, that's, a, that's a good angle. Before Christ came, there were actually some proselytes. Yeah, as Jewish people were going around the world, there are some persons that came into Judaism. I don't even know whether God will count that as a serious thing, but they were proselytes. So that when they were uh, in the New Testament, we hear about God-fearers Jews that were not Jewish by, uh, by descent. Yeah. But what God was doing with, you know, Daniel, is, is that question serious? Oh, yeah. My question is concerning the confession. The, the part where they said that God did not save anybody until hmm? Jesus Christ. Where is, where is the confession? You didn't say that. Sorry. Maybe you should read it. Uh, Joshua, you say you should give. Sorry, online people. I don't know. Today is the longest Bible study I've ever <laughs> Oh, thanks to Brown. <laughs> See, there's another meeting happening at the back there. That 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 three musketeers. You got it wrong. Yes. Oh, thank you. Thank God you got it wrong. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a, a fair place to land our anchor tonight. Uh, what have you learned tonight? That Christ saved people now as he has always saved people in all the ages. And we can praise God for that. There's no two other ways to God apart from Christ. No other way apart from Christ. And that work is efficacious. And those whom he saved he saved to the uttermost. You can go home tonight and be happy that Christ saved you. Christ saved you. The question God ever asks is quite important. Sometimes when I think of those questions, I thank God that I, I didn't live 400 years ago. I thank God I was not alive 200 years ago. I don't know what could have become my lot if I was alive 200 years ago. And this is like those who entered the train that people were kidnapped. I know there are some persons that came to that, that station that day. They missed the, they missed the train. Or they were cheated out of their seats and they were thrown out. And then people were kidnapped. You're not going to say, why am I not in that train? You're going to thank God that you're not in that train. And you're not going to even say, why did God allow those people to board the train? Like the, I know some people are still in Edo when the news came that kidnapping has taken place along Cardinal Road. Along, we're not going to say, ah, now, God, now. Why don't you cause that train? <laughs> the way you stopped me, why did you stop the train? Your immediate response should be, ah, God, what have I done that I'm not part of these people that perished, that you will save me? That should be a right response. Anyway, we, on the last day when we get to heaven, all these things will be clearer. But right now, let it suffice that we can give thanks to God and give him glory for what he has done in our own lives. Father, we thank you for how far you help us tonight. The rest of our confusion and burdens, we trust that the Holy Spirit will clear it for us as we walk with you, strengthen our heart to understand your word and to obey them. In Jesus' name, amen. Good night.